When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. It's Earth Day, three days of climate action culminating on April 22nd. For comment, we turn to Mark Hertzgard. His writing about climate change and politics has appeared in The New Yorker, The Guardian, The New York Times, and Scientific American, as well as The Nation. And he's been a regular commentator for the public radio program's Morning Edition and Marketplace. He's published seven books that have been translated into 16 languages, most recently Bravehearts, Whistleblowing in the Age of Snowden. And he's executive director of Covering Climate Now, a global consortium of hundreds of news outlets reaching 2 billion people with news about the climate emergency. And he's the nation's environmental correspondent. We reached him today in San Francisco. Mark, welcome back. Always good to be with you, John. You are urging us to use the term climate emergency rather than talking about climate change or the climate crisis. Why is climate emergency better? Climate emergency is the right term to use because that's what the scientists are telling us, not just in their public comments, but in peer-reviewed journals now. Uh, and as you know, I've been covering climate change since 1990. So I've seen the way that the uh, discussion has evolved. And, you know, scientists are very, very careful about how they use language. And the uh, particular statement about climate emergency comes from some of the most eminent climate scientists there are, such as James Hansen, the former NASA scientist, who really is the godfather of climate science in the modern era, at least. It was his U.S. Senate testimony in 1988 that first put the global warming issue on the public agenda when he said, you know, climate change, human caused climate change is happening. And uh, so he's one of them. Sir David King is another one of the very prominent scientists who talk about a climate emergency. Uh, David King for many years was the chief science advisor to the British government and crown. And I could, you know, literally name you thousands of others. In fact, at our website at Covering Climate Now, uh, we have a fact sheet that lists all the different uh, scientific backing for this idea that this is a climate emergency. And among them is a, a statement that has now been signed by some 13,000 scientists around the world wow. that talk about climate change as an emergency. And the reason that it's important to say emergency, I think, uh, now speaking as a, as a reporter, is that you know, the word emergency it conveys the need to act immediately. It's not just a climate problem. It's not even a climate crisis only. It's an emergency. Because why? Because like with a heart attack, you need immediate reaction. You need immediate treatment. It's, you know, if you get a bad cancer diagnosis, for example, if you go to the doctor the next day or two days later, it's probably not going to change the outcome that much. 
Whereas if you suddenly have a massive heart attack, you need to get to a hospital within minutes. And that's what the scientists are trying to get across, that there's no more time for half measures. There's no more time for delays. The house, our planetary house is literally on fire and we have to act like that. And so that's why um, in the lead up to Earth Day, covering climate now, and eight of our core news outlet partners, including, of course, The Nation, which was a co-founder of Covering Climate Now, along with Columbia Journalism Review and The Guardian and a number of other Scientific American you mentioned, we've all signed a statement and invited our fellow journalists to do the same. And this statement essentially just says, it's time for journalism to recognize that the science says we face an emergency and we as journalists should be responding accordingly. You know, good journalism is grounded in fact. And uh, in the case of climate, most of those facts or many of those facts are science. So it is not advocacy. It is not partisanship. It is not activism to talk about this as a climate emergency. That is journalistic and scientific fact. And we in the news media should be uh, treating it accordingly. Well, let's talk about the activism side, Earth Day April 22nd, Earth Day is the world's largest recruiter to the environmental movement. EarthDay.org says it works with more than 75,000 partners in 190 countries and that more than a billion people now participate in Earth Day activities, making it the largest civic observance in the world. The official Earth Day events this year are organized into what they call five pillars. They are the Canopy Project food and environment, the great global cleanup, climate literacy, and a, sci a citizen science initiative. What can you tell us about the five pillars? I think the important thing about Earth Day, as you say, it's, you know, it's long been a kind of a recruiter to the movement. Let's remember the history of Earth Day. Uh, 1970, 20 million Americans went into the streets around Earth Day. And it scared the bejesus out of a sitting president named Richard M. Nixon. Richard Nixon had never been much of a tree hugger, to put it mildly. <laughs> and yet he was determined to run for re-election in 1972. And, of course, there were a lot of protests in the United States at that time. And previously, those protests had been mainly about the Vietnam War and the civil rights uh, movement. But with Earth Day in April of uh, 1970, Nixon saw something different. He saw that the people, those 20 million people who were out in the streets, they weren't the long haired hippies. They weren't the black people who were demanding their civil rights. These were librarians. These were <laughs> school children. These were church ministers wives. This was middle America saying, we want clean air. We want clean water, etc." And Nixon, whatever you think of his policies was a very shrewd politician. And so he decided at that point that he, for his reelection purposes, had to take the environmental issue away from the Democratic Party. And as a result, he pushed through and signed with the Congress uh, support. He pushed through uh, environmental laws that to this day, John, remain, at least on paper, the strongest environmental laws in the world. And the 1970s was an era of uh, very strong federal action on the environment. And so I think that's the lesson that we really need to see out of Earth Day is that what, what creates real change is not just saying, oh, we, we hope that the world gets a greener place. It's getting out in the streets and scaring politicians 
to do the right thing. Because otherwise, you know, I have a certain amount of sympathy for the politicians. They, they are always being pushed and pressured by big money, whether it be the oil industry or the pharmaceutical industry or whatever. That's part of political life. And the only way that a president can turn down Exxon or turn down Peabody Coal or whoever it is, is to say when you get that phone call from the CEO, uh, as the president inevitably does, say, listen, I'm, I'm sympathetic to what you're saying, sir, but I have 20 million people in the street here and I have got to respond to that as well. So to me, that's what is uh, the most important lesson about Earth Day. And we see that carried forward today, I think primarily here in the United States by the work of the young people around the Sunrise Movement who you know, sat in on that, sat in, in Nancy Pelosi's uh, office in 2018 after the congressional elections. And then of course, Greta Thunberg and the Fridays for Future movement internationally, where literally millions of young people skipped school and went into the streets to protest generational injustice. You know, lately, you know, we've, we've rightfully finally started to talk a lot more about racial justice in the United States, about gender justice, about economic justice. What Earth Day and the activists, the young activists today are talking about is something that we don't talk about enough in public, which is generational justice. Because of what the current generation and especially the privileged and the powerful within the current generation have done, these young people, including my 16-year-old daughter, are now condemned to a very, very difficult future, even if we do everything right from here on out with climate, which we're far from doing. And these young people are getting into the streets and saying, enough, we are protesting against this and you have got to do better. So to me, that's the real exciting thing about Earth Day, that, that spirit. It's not so much those five pillars, those are great. And I, I you know, look forward to all the kinds of activities that will doubtless be unfolding around the world on that. But to me, more important is the spirit of protest that's behind Earth Day. This is not just feel good stuff. This is, you know, life and death politics. And for the first time in four years, we have a president who is responding to the millions of people making these demands. On Earth Day, April 22nd, the Biden administration is hosting a global climate summit. Biden is appealing to 40 world leaders seeking new commitments from the world's biggest carbon emitters to fulfill the 2015 Paris Agreement by taking bold action to slash greenhouse gas emissions in the next 10 years. The uh, United States is expected to unveil its own national plan. I should say we're speaking on Tuesday about something that's going to happen on Thursday. We're not sure right now what Biden will say is the Americans' goal for cutting greenhouse gas emissions over the next 10 years. What do you think it is likely to be? What do you think it should be? You're quite right that it is a, a breath of fresh air, quite literally, to have a climate realist in the White House. Um, but we have to remember that to the rest of the world, they look at the United States, and of course they welcome Joe Biden being president rather than Donald Trump. But they also recognize that the United States political system allowed the last four years of worse than non-action on climate. And so there's a certain amount of, of uh, skepticism uh, or a little bit of, you know, state of Missouri, like, show me. Uh, so I think Biden and his team uh, have got to really step up big 
And uh, not just at the uh, climate summit, the Earth Day summit, but through the rest of this year leading up to November, the next UN meeting where really that's where the Paris Agreement goals are supposed to be strengthened. So much of the media coverage to date in the United States, though, has kind of followed the usual deferring to Washington line that, oh, the United States, John Kerry, the secretaries, sorry, the, uh, the climate envoy for Biden, he's now been around the world and he's pushing all these other countries to do better. Wait a minute. We're the ones who need to be pushed to do better. We're the ones who dropped the ball the last four years. So I hope that my colleagues, as we cover this story, um, are, are a little more uh, reflective about that. Now, as you mentioned, the Biden administration <clears throat> seems to be floating off the record that they will make what they call a very ambitious announcement <clears throat> on, on, at the Earth Day Summit. And what they're talking about is something like cutting the uh, U.S. greenhouse gas emissions by 50 percent compared to 2005 levels by the year 2030. That is roughly in line with what the U.N. climate scientists said is necessary in their last major report, which came out in October 2018. And that was a report that some of uh, our listeners may recall. It's, it sparked a lot of headlines about how we have 12 years left to basically avoid climate catastrophe, which is a slightly misleading headline, but it is definitely true that we have got to slash these emissions very immediately. Again, why is it an emergency? Because these emissions reductions have to happen now, not next month, not next year, now. And uh, so I think that uh, one other great thing about Biden is that he clearly understands the science and he has assembled a team of people across the federal government that will be integrating climate into everything from national security to the United States Treasury to housing, et cetera, et cetera, not just energy, not just transportation. Those are all good. And I think it's also very interesting that the Biden administration in general seems to have learned a lesson from the Obama years. Obama uh, bent over backwards to try and get consensus with Republicans on Capitol Hill, which was a bit uh, of a um, impossibility given that the Republicans had made it clear literally on the first day of, of Obama's term and uh, time in the White House that they were committed to his presidency being, quote, a failure, as Mitch McConnell said. So Biden is not waiting for that non-existent Republican consensus. He's welcoming them to be part of it if they want to, but he is not going to let Republican intransigence stop him. And so I think um, whatever uh, the Biden administration announces at the Earth Day Summit, the real question is what happens on Capitol Hill? How much can you push through? And there is where, again, the spirit of Earth Day is so important because there will be a lot of politicians, a lot of office holders on, on both the Senate and the House who, um, can be pushed on this. Again, the conventional media narrative is, oh, you know, the Republicans are gonna be completely against anything on climate. Well, you would have thought that about Richard Nixon in 1972. <laughs> and uh, I think what you see from the 2020 elections is that, uh, you know, it was young people and especially Sunrise Movement activists, young people and people of color who delivered the winning margin of victory for Biden uh, and some, some other down ticket Democrats, but especially in states like Georgia and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. So I think politicians 
are aware that the winds of change are shifting now and that you do not want to be looking like you are against climate action. Even a majority of young Republicans, and by young I mean under the age of 40, now say in the social science research they want action, they're worried about climate change, they don't entirely understand all the, the specifics of it, but they know that something bad is happening and they want to hear more news about it, which is part of the reason that uh, covering climate now exists, but uh, they also want action. And so I, I, that's what I'm gonna be watching as a, simply as a reporter on this, is the battle in Washington and whether Republicans are really going to be as um, intransigent as they've been in the, in the past four years. One final thing, you mentioned Biden's team. There's one guy who's fascinating, who Biden has appointed, Jerome Foster. He's an 18-year-old climate activist who Biden appointed to a White House group working on climate policy. Tell us a little about Jerome Foster. That's a wonderful story, John. I'm so glad you brought it up. Uh, and I commend, by the way, uh, look at the Guardian uh, story about Jerome Foster. The Guardian I have to say, is our lead media partner at Covering Climate Now, and we chose them for that because they do the best climate coverage in the English language. And this is a perfect example of it. They knew about who Jerome Foster was back when Jerome Foster was protesting outside the White House, solo, by the way, uh, and starting with, uh, inspired by Greta Thunberg's Fridays for Future movement. And Jerome was a young man, I think at that time he was 17, sitting alone outside of the White House, holding up his climate strike, African-American uh, uh, kid, and uh, very committed to all this stuff. And somehow, I mean, I think it's a great uh, sign of Biden's openness uh, to this stuff that, that they appointed Jerome to be part of their advisory group. And this is something, you know, the Nation magazine, let's be honest, we were not happy with Joe Biden as the candidate. And a lot of us you know, preferred a different candidate, many times Bernie Sanders. But you have to give Biden credit that last summer he allowed himself to be pushed by the Sunrise Movement and these younger activists towards it, and, and Bernie Sanders, too pushed Biden to have a much more aggressive climate policy than he did. When Biden was a candidate at the start of 2020, he had such a weak climate policy that I think Greenpeace gave him a, a D minus. <laughs> but to his credit, Biden saw both the science and he saw the politics of it, that young people really wanted more. And, you know, in politics, that's what you want in a democracy. You want a politician to respond to that kind of organized pressure. And I see Jerome Foster as a symbol of that kind of pressure and how being out in the streets, literally, as he was for 58 weeks, can bring you into the halls of power, which again, goes back to the lesson of the original Earth Day. Get out in the streets, folks, if you want real political change. For more on Earth Day 2021, you can check out earthday.org and look at Covering Climate Now. Mark Hertzgard, read him at thenation.com. Mark, thanks for your work. And thanks for talking with us today. Always a pleasure, John. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com. And you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening.
What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.